save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, we've got a very special guest here today, uh, Sunil Sharma. You're the CEO of uh, uh, CFOC, is that right? That's correct, the CEO. Okay. And tell me what CFOC is. So we're uh, essentially uh, an organization uh, that tries to bring conservative governments together um, uh, with the belief of the Commonwealth. So mm-hmm. uh, Conservative Friends of the Commonwealth is the full name. Uh, Commonwealth uh, essentially is... A group of countries that at one point in time uh, were owned by the British Empire. Right. Um, they've all became independent, their own countries. And what we're kind of lobbying for is to try and bring those countries a bit closer together. Closer in what way? I mean, just like trying to uh, influence internationally, like combined power? What is it? Um, more sort of uh, integrate trade. Um, so... Uh, whether it's you know, trade, human rights issues, right. um, shared values, yeah, like that. That, that kind of stuff. So it's it's something that for a long time we've not really spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a taboo subject as well. Uh, it's at been, England's been on the defensive about it for a while, even though they've yeah. gone pretty much. They've the UK has certainly gone farther in making amends for any past bullshit yeah. than any other empire that's ever existed. Right. Yeah. Uh, how many um, how many members of the Commonwealth are there now? So there's 54. Um, 54, 54 independent countries? 54 independent so countries. So 25% of the world. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and it's opt-in now, right? Which means yeah. no one is forced to be in the British Commonwealth anymore. It's you choose to be and you're accepted or you can leave whenever you want, right? I'm glad you said that because that's a massive misconception. Yeah. Um, that is, yeah, it's, it's an opt-in. So people have left. South Africa left. Um, and then they came back. Mm. So you can leave whenever, join whenever. Um, so, yeah, we're really trying to change the kind of rhetoric on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the good, in some ways, a good thing with Brexit, and some people have started looking outside and thinking, oh, like, where, where are we going to do more of our trade now? And, right. Um, well, I mean, it's certainly not the case that the UK and the rest of Europe shared all the same values right and not just i don't think the social values were that disparate certainly germany's approach on immigration was pretty out there right just letting anybody in they want um but even like energy and stuff like germany a lot of even a lot of northern european countries and a lot of uh uh, baltic states as well still get primarily get their energy from russia right which is problematic um, for all the reasons we're seeing right now. Yeah. Because whatever 
whatever international power we might have to stop Russia from doing what it's doing or, you know, what, whatever the case is, however you want to resolve that situation, it's severely handicapped by our dependence. Well, not U.S. necessarily because we can fix that ourselves, but uh, on Europe's independence yeah. on Russian natural gas primarily. Oil also, but also wheat, right? There's a lot of stuff yeah. going on there. So CFOC is Conservative Friends of the Commonwealth. I want to talk about conservatism in the U.K. and how it might differ from conservatism here. Like, right. can, you, can you... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because... So somebody was asking me yesterday, where would the Conservative Party sit in the UK? You know, where, which party would you belong to or Conservatives belong to? It, 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 it's very different. Um, it, in some ways, we may be considered even more conservative than, you know, um, you know, your some far-right Republicans. Mm-hmm. In some ways, we may be considered uh, a lot less conservative than some Democrats. Um, generally speaking, for example... You could meet probably the most right-wing, uh, Tory right-wing conservative. Mm. They would probably still all believe in universal health care and mm. NHS, um, which is probably different here in, in the States. Sure, um, yeah. But at the same time, we also have a very capitalistic side to us as well. Um, so we're a massive believer in small government. Mm. Um, the current state of conservatism is, is a bit concerning in some ways, and I think we talked about a lot on our platform is, um, we saw during the lockdowns is the focus on small government, the focus on the government not doing too much, mm-hmm. just being there to regulate. We've, we saw that change with COVID and lockdowns, and that was a massive concerning uh, issue for us in, in the UK. Um, and, and conservatism has really changed, also depending on what region you are in the UK. So that there is uh, a massive divide between mm-hmm. London and the rest of the country. Right. Um, it's probably similar here with New York, LA, Certainly, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not even just uh, the the states or larger cities. It's pretty much anywhere there's a city. Yeah, it's a hub for liberalism, and then everybody else is kind of conservative for the most part. That's how it works here. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for for us, where you know, we we had recent elections that kind of demonstrates that the divide is... And these elections were worse. basically like your version of midterm elections? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the, the best translation for it. I mean, it was a lot of local elections mm-hmm. or local-level councillors. And are, uh, these, are these elections... Uh, sorry to cut you off. Are these elections scheduled, or are they called like a prime minister election? Uh, would be? Every four years. Okay. So uh, you have... Uh, we, we, they're scattered, so you've got some local elections happening next year. Mm-hmm. They happen every year, uh, just different regions. So where I live, for example, our local elections are next year. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was quite a big one because there was a lot of local elections happening at the same time, and a lot of them were in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the Conservative Party got destroyed in London, this um, election, so that they lost a lot of seats. Well, I'm surprised uh, they had any, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So what, what did that, can you give me some numbers? How did that look? Like, what, uh, so how, they, many, how many seats did they have before and how many did they have now? It, they, they, They've lost over 500 in total um, across across the region. Mm. I mean, in London, they gained only in one place, Harrow East, um, which is pretty bad in terms of uh, the optics. What, in the end, it was a lot better than they expected because mm. up north, uh, Labour, uh, if you like the left, they didn't mm. make as much 
ground as a lot of people expected. So initially, they uh, the Conservative Party was expected to get absolutely you know destroyed across the country. Mm. That didn't quite happen. So in the end, it's turned out to be an okay-ish. You know, right. uh, if you're a somebody looking for Boris Johnson, the party looking at, so you'd be you'd say fairly mixed. You'd maybe be slightly happy if considered the last few months. And this is. Uh Probably not the best sign for Johnson then, right? I mean, for his administration, because you got yeah. to think that, I, I don't know, though, it's been, it's, it's not always the case that midterms are predictors of a general, like what we would call a general election, like yeah. a presidential or prime minister election, but I don't know. We're, we're not too far along from the Brexit vote. Do you think, uh, where do you think this is coming from? Like this movement from the left? I think that it's definitely come from um, a combination of things. I think the big thing at the moment is Partygate. I don't know if that's been covered much in, no. in the oh, States. Oh, yeah, yeah, with uh, Boris Johnson going to a party while he was, everybody yeah. was locked down. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, so essentially what had happened is he had a, um, it, it was his birthday, his mm-hmm. staffers got him a birthday cake, and they essentially shouldn't have done that. Um, in hindsight, um Obviously, I think that could have easily been prevented. Uh, it's worth noting it was with his aides. His aides, you know, t- 10 Downing Street is a massive house. Mm. His aides pretty much are there every day. They're working during lockdown. Um, and, it, and it took a massive, uh, I don't know, a, a massive jump in terms of UK media, the left going absolutely crazy about it. Um, and ironically, uh, the Labour leader at the moment, Sakir Steimer, is under investigation for the same thing. Yeah, for a beer, so, right? For the, for the beer. Yeah. Um, so th- this is where it gets uh, really sort of political and really a bit strange. So he, he advocated uh, for Boris Johnson to resign. The moment the investigation started, he said, you know, you should resign. Uh, Boris Johnson didn't. Uh, the police then, in the end, gave him a fixed penalty fine of £50, so it's equivalent of a speeding ticket. Yeah. Um, and now, Sakir Steimer, uh, who had said to Boris Johnson, you know, if the fact that if you're under investigation is enough for you to resign, he's now in an investigation, he's obviously not going to resign, right. um, and he's now come out and said, um, if the police do find me, I will resign. So a lot of people are looking at that in some way saying you, you shouldn't really say that because you're kind of manipulating the police here and you're putting they, a lot of pressure. If they find him? If they find him. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, if they, if they give him... So they find Boris Johnson 50 quid for yeah, yeah. Um, for breaking the rules. So if they say they're going to... He, he's trying to, I don't know, show some integrity, uh, some decency. Even though he had said this didn't happen initially, he denied uh, the beer, the, the curry and stuff, whatever he did. Um, so there's a lot of... Uh, stranger and funny enough that got announced that he's being investigated a day after the election oh, that's funny. so a day after the elections um, interestingly that got you, and you think that's a big needle mover I mean that, look, people are pretty captured by the media for sure um, but uh, let, me, let me ask this a different way in the US people mostly vote based on the misery index which is right. you add the inflation rate to the unemployment rate, right? Right. And that's, if it's over nine, typically you don't get elected. Um, okay. So right now, inflation is 8.3%. Right. And uh, unemployment is 3.4, I believe, something like that. Although those are fudged numbers because they they massage them to make, make them look differently. And I don't mean, when I say they, I mean the government, not liberals or conservatives. They're all, right. they're all into it. Um, 
Is it like that in, in the UK? Like if things are going well financially, you're pretty safe? I would say so. I think as long as the economy is doing okay, NHS is always the big one as well for mm. us. As long as the interest isn't overwhelmed and struggling, that's a massive uh, you know, parameter that they use. Um, I think the, the big issue at the moment in the UK at the, uh, that's going on is everyone has a different set of priorities. Mm. So London, our sort of surrounding areas, even where I live, to be honest, that there is a massive... They they really value um, the, the the leader in terms of him being a role model, him being uh, a great person, a good person, a good dad, a good mm. um, all that sort of stuff. And in these areas, um, that matters a bit more. So they may even they may vote for someone who they think economically isn't going to be great, but as long as he's a good, outstanding individual. But of course, they'd say that because they're in generally yeah, yeah. more wealthier areas and they're doing okay. Whereas up north, down south, um, you're seeing a massive difference, which is we'll vote for whoever we feel like is going to put food on our table, right, or who's yeah. going to you know, further our child's education. Yeah, I don't know uh, if you've been paying attention to American politics, but we're, we, have a, uh, we have a baby formula shortage oh, right wow. now. Oh, wow, okay. And uh, Congress voted in the middle of the night last night to send $40 billion to Ukraine. Now, that's not great wow, optics-wise, okay. right? Yeah, that that yeah, looks pretty yeah. bad. Right. Um, and I don't know, uh, it's here, people are so divided that half the country will make ex- excuses for that, right. and half the country will overreact to it, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, because it's not, like, that money wasn't ever going towards baby formula. It's earmarked for, you know, certain things. Right. Um, not that I agree with it, it's just how it is. So it's not like they took, it's not true that they literally took food out of babies' mouths, but that is what conservatives will say. Right. But it's also not a good idea to be, arming yet another country you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. like we that's kind of what we do well what's the perception because it's hard again to really know um we, we get different news in the uk compared mm. to you guys in the states and the ukraine angle it, are, are you guys is it the general perception we need to go and help ukraine as far as we won't put any troops on the ground is that what people want uh, i mean it, it varies quite a bit i think um I think on the left, they, they want some kind of military intervention. Oh, probably. wow, okay. Yeah. Like it's, it, just based on the way they've been acting, it seems like that. Because like, this could have been... Uh, th- this conflict should have been over by now. Not hmm. through military force, but through pressure, like economic and international pressure. And it's those things... Instead of doing those things, what we've done is just like kind of have one foot in, one foot out. And right. the, the conflict persists, you know what I mean? Um, that's, that's kind of how I see it. Now, my personal opinion is that we, we have no business doing anything over there, right? right? Um, uh, 72% of the country supports sending weapons to Ukraine, according to a CBS News poll, yeah. as of a month ago. So that's sending weapons, and we've been doing that. Okay. Right. Like, but we were doing it before, too. I mean, the difference doing it now is... Uh, in my opinion, it's an act of war, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. those two countries are at war with each other, but it's the same shit that Russia did in Iran and Iraq and yeah. Afghanistan, right? Like, they were sending weapons there when we were deployed there. So, you know, maybe the U.S. government doesn't see it that way. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. It's, like, I, I don't like... Um, we, ha- we had this kind of under control, after Crimea, some some things were put into place. 
Uh, we began systematically arming Ukraine, which, uh, again, I'm not sure I'm thrilled about that because as much as that, like the American press, except for a couple of outlets, are framing this as a war for democracy, right? Yeah, but, but that's what I agree with you on that. Because Ukraine is a... They're a hybrid state. Yeah. They're not even anywhere close to a democracy. I mean, yeah. this dude's rounding up political opponents and putting them in jail yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, shutting down rival news networks and yeah. shit. That's not a democracy. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance on either side, but it's, it's not even just about this issue. It's that people are so locked in to left versus right. They just wait to hear yeah. what left thinks, and that's what I think. Or uh, wait to hear what right thinks, and I hate that, or vice versa, right? right. I, don't, I don't know that a lot of academic rigor is being used to come to these decisions. It just right. seems like it's kind of random, to be honest. Um, what about the UK? How, what, what, do you, what are public opinions there? On I, I think it's similar. We, we want to deploy weapons. Mm. Uh, happy to deploy weapons, but I, we don't want to put foot soldiers there. And that's the general mm. uh, consensus. I mean, it, it's, it's talked about a lot um, in the UK, and probably rightly so. Um, although in the last few weeks, it's taken a bit of a back burner with the elections mm. and beer gate and party gate. Um, but it is, it is a commonality people like myself and i'm sure lots of us would like to hear more about it right um and not be so engulfed with a birthday cake or mm. a beer like I, I couldn't you know for the record i wouldn't want sikir starmer to resign i think it's stupid yeah that's I stupid yeah. i mean you're setting a precedent now yeah. that's just yeah so I, I i don't want him to resign i think it's you know ridiculous and um i think it's a sign for him he was a bit stupid and jumped the gun on the trying to get boris to resign mm. um but i think there's a in the UK, I suspect maybe similar in the States, there is a, there's a real lack of understanding of, I think, with the so-called liberals um, who fail to understand that whilst you may value your leader needs to be uh, an amazing man, mm. you know, an outstanding person in society, maybe that's what's most important for you. Um, but for a lot of other people, that's not what's the most important thing. And people won't always vote um, for the person who they think is the best guy, they will vote for the person who's going to do best. For yeah, them. I mean, imagine if that was the American standard. Yeah, like yeah. Ben Ben Franklin, who uh, uh, was instrumental in creating this country in the first place, was kind of a piece of shit. Like he was, he spent most of his later years touring Paris and fucking old ladies. You know what I mean? <laughs> like while his wife was at home. So, yeah. uh, not the best dude, I guess. So, but it, you're, it's it's definitely there's a lot more gray area than people are willing to admit. I think it's uncomfortable for people to have to entertain that, that it's not as, it's not as clear-cut as that's bad, I'm against it. You know what I mean? Well, I think that the person who really uh, exposed this in some ways in the UK was actually Donald Trump. That mm. was the first one, I think, that really... Um, I think the Brexit vote a little bit as well. It really shook a lot of um, things up. And my... I think where it really... Why do you think it shook things up? Because people realized there were more people out there who thought like them than they thought? Yeah, yeah. And I think also it surprised a lot of people um, that because, yeah, there's the that feeling. But also my big problem with that was, and what I really didn't expect to happen back in 2016, 2017, was I thought when Trump won or you know, became the president, I thought a lot of people, uh, the liberals, the people where I live, you know, London, this kind of area, I thought we would try and ask why. Like, you know, how has yeah, yeah. Trump become no, the they just, like Well, here in America, they just accused him of 
colluding with Russia to overthrow the right. election. So that was the same in the yeah. UK. So we, we, our general, and I, this is what really got me more, um, you know, even some conservative thinkers in the UK were doing this. And for me, it was just a bit like, I don't think every American that voted for Trump is racist and stupid. That was the general <clears throat> consensus. And I want to know why. Let, let's, you know, work it out. And I, mm. and I and did some reading, listened to some people, spoke to some people, and I was like, okay, fair enough. It's, you know, I don't... Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it it really shook a lot of things. I thought it would shake things in a good way, where it would start to get people to be a bit more open and start to mm. talk and have these conversations, but it made it far worse. It made it yeah. so much more... Um, you know, it, it really divided us even further. Um, I remember saying, even for this election... Uh, going on um, actually the BBC and saying they're asking who do you vote for Trump or Biden mm -hmm. and I was like I would go Trump simply because he said a lot more pro things towards the UK Biden's got a sketchy record on the UK he was part of the administration that said yeah. you know if we leave European Union we're going to be on the back of the you know we'll be back of the wall or whatever mm -hmm. in terms of getting a deal um, and I also question his general cognitiveness so you know I remember getting absolutely crucified for saying you'd vote for Donald Trump. And it was just like, well, was it 50, 60 million people voted for him just now? Like in 74, the So, you know, you can't tell Wasn't me. It, isn't that right? It's 81 to 74 was the vote? I think so. Uh, Biden was over 80 for sure. Yeah. And Either Trump way, was it was like maybe 76. Tens of millions of people. He didn't he get more votes this time than when he won? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, this was the most voted for election Crazy. in America. The turnout history. was insane. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I don't think we've ever had a... I think there's like... 270 million adults, I think, in, in America, like 18 or older. And right. that's, what, 155 voted, 155. Wow. That's, that's a pretty high percentage for us. It's usually wow. in the 30% range. Turn, voter turnout in 2020 was 66.9%. Wow. 2016 was 59, 2012, 58, 2008, 62. There we go. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I, I, to be honest, I... I think his four years was just really interesting in the UK. It it was terribly frustrating. I saw who is in politics, you know, loves you know, reading about policy and stuff. I remember like trying to watch American news channels to find out what the American yeah, president thinks. And yeah, literally it would just be Russia, Russia, Russia. I was yeah. like, okay, clearly he's he's got a sketchy record here mm. or whatever. But you know, what 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 does he what's his belief on Healthcare. What, what's he, what does he think on economic? Is he even right wing? Is he left? He's a bit all over the place in some yeah. of the stuff he does. So, like you know, I was trying to, and it was just I, in the end. I think I had to had to watch his rallies to get an idea of what he actually mm -hmm. thinks and what goes on in his head. And that for me didn't really sit too comfortably. Um, and the BBC, IT, our news channels were doing the same thing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, which was yeah frustrating. Yeah, that's weird. But it's uh, you know, there's a. We talk about a lot. There's just a total absence of nuance in any of these conversations, mm. and and it's that leads down dangerous roads too. So, like, despite what's happening in Ukraine right now, the U.S. has still been utilizing Russia uh, in its efforts towards a negotiation with Iran on their nuclear program. Right? right. Like, there's still a triangle between the three those three countries trying to get a deal done. That's still happening. Mm. Um, as I mentioned before. You, a lot of Europe is still dependent on Russian uh, uh, energy, and I think it's in the in, a, in the U.S. the um, the liberal talking point has been 
pretty. Da- it's well, I, I think it's dangerous. It's it's they're pretending that this is just a simple. We pay more for gas for a while and arm this country, right. and Russia is just going to stop. I think that's silly and dangerous to think that that's a smart move to make, um, and to assume that. I mean, the problem with the the U.S. is that we kind of process politics in four-year increments, which is not how the world works, right? I mean, it's just like it just kind of goes, especially when you're talking about a country like uh, uh, Russia, who would, if they were able to, would be an empire. That's what they're trying to do, right? They want to swallow up more countries. Um, they don't think in terms of four years. They think in terms of 10, 25, 50 years, right? That's, yeah. uh, it's the same in the Arab world, too. It's why Americans never could get it there, I think. I they, think China is the same. China had yeah. the, you know, that they called the... Well, they had three and four hundred year dynasties on a regular crazy. basis like, and throughout I, history. I mean, they, they called the, the last one, that was it, the golden shame? They accepted, you know, these were the hundred bad years, just consolidate, and yeah. now let's build. Um, I, I find it all very fascinating. I think the the... I suppose the question I would have is, do you think if um, Trump had won in, uh, over Biden that this would still have happened? No. No, yeah. no, certainly not, because Trump had been sending weapons to Ukraine on a pretty consistent basis, right, um, just for that eventuality. So instead of, like, it seems like Biden's strategy so far in his administration, and I say Biden's uh, strategy kind of, tongue-in-cheek because I don't know that that dude even knows where he yeah. is. But the strategy from the administration has been to allow things to happen and then try to react to them. But that's bad leadership. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why we're in the inflation situation we are. Well, I read that even um, uh, uh, Kamala Harris, she's like, her polling numbers are terrible. Yeah. Well, even in her own state, apparently, her yeah. polling numbers are terrible. When she was, uh, so she was the uh, district attorney of San Francisco, then the, which is the like basically the top lawyer, right. the top uh, solicitor there, and then she was the attorney general of California, right. and then a senator. Well, she's she yeah she was a senator after that. But when she ran for president during the primaries, she was the first person eliminated. Right, right. right? Like she was the first person they did away with, and because I. It, I can't think of any reason other than demographics that she was nominated yeah. later yeah, on. Yeah. But yeah, her poll, even then, her polling numbers suck. Like, people don't like her. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in 24. Who, who is, like, I, I can't think of any Democrat at the moment that is, like, going to win a, a presidential. Maybe you have better insight. Maybe that Pete versus Pete Burgess. Is no, the one? no, no. He's, uh, uh, I don't know that, anyone else. That guy was the mayor of a town of, like, 12,000 people or something. Oh, okay, okay. Like, he's... But you never know. Like, Donald Trump was the mayor of a TV show, basically, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. who knows? But he's a bit more confident and intelligent than Pete Buttigieg is, in my yeah. opinion. So, South Bend's 100,000. It's 100,000? Yeah, okay. but it's still fucking yeah. South Bend, Indiana. It's South Bend, Indiana. Like, what, even, what even happens there? Yeah, 100,000 is there, but like 50,000 of those are people that are going to school, right? They don't usually include that. Mm. In, they didn't in Columbia when I... Yeah, he's... Yes, they did. Surely, it just seems to me on oh, the outside, yeah. Republicans, whether it's Trump or... I, I do like the uh, Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. in uh, Florida. Um, Most people think he's the guy that's going to run... Right. Like, I don't think Trump would. He's just too, I mean, he, maybe his ego will drive him to do it, but there's just too much baggage there, mm. uh, I think. Uh, and he's better off running his, like, standing up and running his own news yeah. stuff. I mean, that's, 
that's probably better for him long term. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, as far as Democrats that could win at the national level, I have a hard time with that. In context, UK, they just seem a mess. So I think the best way to put it is we've got Labour, uh, Lib Dems, mm. and Conservative as our major three mm. um, parties. I would say the Democrats are like all three combined at some points. Mm. Um, I would say maybe 50% of Conservatives probably are Republican, uh, 50% Democrats. We're, we're probably all, you know, on the bright side of Democrats, you know, in, in between the edge of Democrats and Republicans. Sure. Um, but to me, it just seems crazy. Like, you, you, you could... There's a Jeremy Corbyn. I don't know if he's he's very popular here or you know he was. What's his name? Jeremy Corbyn. He was the previous Labour leader, and this is like one of the most extreme far lefties um, that there's been in mainstream politics, maybe mm. in well, he was uh, maybe British history. Like it, it's it is he is so far on the left, um, and he somehow actually mm. won the Labour um, leadership race to become. Their now, leader. how does that work? Is it the other leaders vote for the leader of the party? The, the people vote, so the members. Um, okay. But what's different with the Labour Party is they are uh, heavily, um, they, they have a heavy amount of influence by trade unions. Mm. So that the trade unions, uh, when, when Jeremy Corbyn was around, they absolutely loved him because he, this is a guy who you know, stands for workers' rights. Mm. So, you know, he was going to nationalise pretty much absolutely everything, right. uh, including internet. Sounds um, really nice until it's done, and then you're like, oh, shit, they have 100% power over me now. Well, I think in some ways I'm so glad he did run because I think he really exposed um, how really crazy and stupid some of his ideas were. Um, there was a bit of a concern, I'll be honest, the fact that he had even become leader of the Labour Party. Mm. Labour traditionally before then had been, if you like, centre-left, mm. Tony Blair, who people would argue was more of a conservative yeah, than Labour. Yeah. Um, so even Ed Miliband, like, you know, these weren't like... Um, they had common sense, mm. right? They, they weren't sitting there saying we're left or... You know, they were generally uh, logical. He comes in, and I remember thinking, this is a bit scary that he's actually been able to get this far. Um, in the 2019 election, in the end, he had the worst result in Labour's history since 1935, and in the end, Tories really won that election. But yeah, I mean, some of the stuff was so. One of the the big ones was he was going to buy the internet, mm. so he's going to buy every broadband company in the UK, um, like have the the crown buy it. Yeah, yeah, what like the fuck? yeah, like literally, it was it was crazy, and so this is going to cost what billions, maybe trillions of pounds to do. Yeah, um, but it was so good because you could really like untangle it because it was like yeah. you know uh, what happens when your broadband's really slow at home. You know, you call the state provider. The state provider will say, well, you know, you're gonna have to wait two weeks, and you're like, well, I'm remote working, I need internet, and he yeah. can just be like, well, fuck off, like you just wait, <laughs> like what you're gonna do? Yeah. Now it's like if I go to Virgin Media, which I've got, and I'm mm. like, you know what? If you don't fix up, I'm going to go Sky yeah. or I'm going to go somewhere. So that kind of, you could do that to every person. That resonated with every person. Um, but he had some really serious... Well, that's communism, right? I mean, yeah. like the state buying up commodities, that's communism. That's, it, not, that's not a good thing. Is Bernie Sanders similar or not? Uh, in a way, I think he's a grifter, to be honest. Or he's just stupid. So um, the way things work here is that politicians raise an enormous amount of money to get elected. Right. Now, some of them get it from PACs, uh, political action committees that represent labor unions or uh, uh, like 
pro-life, pro-choice groups, um, and then there's independent, there's businesses. Right. They give them quite a bit of money as well. Uh, organizations like Americans for Prosperity, I think it's the Koch brothers. Okay. Uh, although one of them's dead now, but uh, things like that. It, it takes an enormous amount of money to get elected to right. a statewide or uh, especially a federal election. I think they... <clears throat> I think the two candidates usually spend somewhere between like two and three billion dollars in a wow. campaign season, like wow. combined, to to win the election. So he likes his thing is that he likes to say he takes uh, only small donations from regular people, right? Right, and that's fine. But these this money gets spent on uh, t- to a, a, a smaller degree traveling around and doing events and shit, but primarily okay. on media ad buys, right? Right. And 30% of a media ad buy, like if you, let's say, you come to my company, you've got an ad, you want to run it on my, you want me to go shop it around for you and whatever. Right. You pay me 30% of that, right? Okay. So if you're spending a million dollars on ad buys, uh, 300000 of it goes to you. Right. Okay. Or it okay. goes to me, rather. Okay. Um, in this scenario, Bernie Sanders raises money from all of these regular working class folks and then spends it on a media ad buy and the 30% that goes to commission is to his daughter who runs a media ad, uh, ad media company, right? right. Him, so, him explaining why he owned three houses during the debate oh, so good, was dude. one of the funniest fucking things. Well, I need to watch that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's, it's brutal. Well, that's ironic because Jeremy Corbyn is a multi-millionaire. Oh, of course okay, they are. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're, they're the type of people that climb the ladder and then pull the ladder up with them after. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's who, like Bernie Sanders likes to talk about how he, he doesn't take, I don't take big corporate money and whatever. No, you take money from regular people and you give it to your daughter. <laughs> like, doesn't that seem, a, it, maybe it's not worse, but it's that, certainly just as bad. It, it was really funny too. Uh, you know, you had a theory that like, uh, why? What was your theory on Bloomberg being in the race so that people would be mean to him so they wouldn't be mean to Biden? That was actually... Like a stalking horse, kind of. Who was that? Was that Doug? It wasn't Murray that said that. Was, it was somebody. But, yeah, somebody recently yeah. said that. It wasn't me, though. But I kind of think that Bloomberg got in the race so that he could be a dickhole to Bernie Sanders and that Biden didn't have to be. Uh, maybe, yeah. Because... Ber- or Bloomberg was the one who brought up the three yeah. houses and brought up all that other shit. So he was just kind of like a, I don't know, maybe a Decoy. red herring type of situation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was Reuben. Dave Reuben said that. Okay. Yeah. He, he said that he thinks the only reason Bloomberg got into the race is so he could take the pressure off of Biden. Because right, everybody okay. would light him up because nobody likes him. Uh, you're, you're, that's just as likely, though, honestly, if they brought him in to do that. Because sometimes it just happens, though. But is, is, sure. Bernie, is, he, is he finished now? Is he still got, is he potentially? <sighs> I mean, he's gonna... still a senator. I don't know. Okay. There's no way he's running again. There's no way he's He's running. 82, right? Because surely I don't. He's 80. Is the general conception that Biden isn't going to run the second term? I mean, so it's, it depends on who you ask and when, right. I guess. Uh, six months ago, I think it was in early October. It was after the Afghan pullout, right. um, but before the end of the year. CNN, Chris Aliza ran an article that said, like, here are the, like, we don't think Biden's going to run for office. Here are some other options that might be good. Okay. Right? So CNN is, if they're doing that, then they don't think he's going to run. 
because right. uh, that it, it's so or maybe they're trying to force him not to run right <laughs> yeah. i mean either way uh he's he certainly shouldn't like he's got vascular dementia that's pretty obvious yeah um but it does beg the question like who's next it's weird for an incumbent to drop out and the vice president not to take that nomination yeah um i don't know have we seen something like that before i can't really remember no but this this situation reminds me of 2012 when it was like pretty obvious Obama was going to yeah, win yeah. re-election mm-hmm. and instead of punting that essentially they ran out Romney who is a pretty good candidate and I kind of think the Democrats might end up just punting as long as Trump doesn't run again I think they might be okay with punting yeah, and being maybe. a resistance party for four, to four years or whatever I, it's, Democrats they're at the moment just so confusing in the UK we really struggle to understand them because mm. You mean American Democrats? American yeah, Democrats, yeah. yeah. They're just so hard to, um, like, put them in a... And I don't like putting things in boxes in general, but they're just, there doesn't seem to be a... Um, well, from a branding perspective, if you're a, if you're, if you're a, a, a brand and that's what a yeah. political base or a political party is and you can't communicate exactly what you are to somebody, that's pretty rough. I think it's the same for conservatives here, though. You, you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember... The conservatives are mostly against things. That's how they identify themselves. Right. The, they're against abortion. They're against gun laws, blah, blah, blah. What are you right. for? You know what I mean? Like, what effort has the Republican Party in America done to shrink government? Mm. Now, this Roe v. Wade thing shrinks government. It's, it's, yeah. Our system is federalism, right? Which means right. the federal government is in charge of this, these things that we enumerated inside of the Constitution and the amendments, and that's it. The ninth and tenth amendment said everything else goes back to the state. That was the point of this, right? So that's one thing. But that was the the bench. It wasn't legislative branch that did that. I can't think of. I mean, the largest expansion of the federal government history happened in two thousand one with the Department mm-hmm. of Homeland Security, right? And that was George W. Bush. It was mm-hmm. a Republican that did that. So I'm not sure. I mean, these days the conservative identity is they're anti woke, anti PC. Uh, I wouldn't even say pro-choice or pro-life, rather. I, I think a big swath of conservatives here don't give a shit about that issue, mm. honestly. And the exit polling shows that. Like 3% of people based our vote based on their belief. Right. Uh, and that might change this year. <laughs> it's also the polling is like, I would say half of conservatives are for some level of abortion yeah. up to like 50. I mean, right now Mississippi has more liberal abortion laws than Germany. Yeah. You know, in terms of abortion, this is, again, not really covered in, in the UK like this, but let's just say, you know, um, I don't know, I, I'm in a state where abortion has now become illegal. Mm. I can still go to a, another state, right, and get an abortion? Or uh, Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yep. However, I mean, Texas is, currently has a law where you can civilly sue someone if you know that they went and got an abortion in another state or aided someone getting an abortion yeah. in another whether state. Whether you know, uh, okay. whether you're the parent or, or not. Like, you yeah. know, okay. some random person can sue you for it. And then if you wow. win the suit, Texas rewards you with $10,000. Yeah, I'm going to start accusing people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Left and right. <laughs> or get them just, pregnant. Just start getting chicks pregnant. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they'll all want to abort it. Yeah. Well, definitely if it comes from one of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... It's a weird. It's one of those uh, wedge issues that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, the, 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 so there was a, a conservative uh, MP. Mm. Um, 
this is before Boris Johnson, so the previous Theresa May, and um, there, there was a, he's, he's pretty famous, he's one of the senior backbenchers, his name's Jacob Rees-Mogg, mm. a really intelligent guy, um, played a massive role in Brexit, um, he's been an advert uh, um, supporter of us leaving the European Union, mm. um, and he, he gathered a lot of momentum um, before Boris Johnson became our leader, when we were essentially... Theresa May was being ousted out mm. by the party, and he was one of the people that uh, came across as very articulate, very smart, but he's very conservative. Mm. Um, and people started looking at him as a potential leader uh, instead of Boris Johnson, because um, we all kind of knew Theresa May was going to leave and there's going to be a new leader, a new prime minister. Mm. And he went on uh, national TV, and they, I think the press coverage obviously knew he was Catholic and fairly religious, and they asked him on... I'm pretty sure it went quite viral. They asked him on live uh, TV, what is your uh, beliefs on abortion? Mm. And he was just straight to the point and was like, I don't believe in it. Mm. And uh, they were like, can you elaborate? And he was like, look, I was raised Catholic. Mm. Parents were Catholic. I'm Catholic. And I just, it's not something I would use. And it's not something I believe in. Mm. And it literally meant that there's no chance of him being leader uh, in the UK. But weirdly enough he got a really good reception from because a lot of people appreciate the fact that mm. he was just honest and he came out and said look this is what I believe in you don't have to agree with me but this is my principles I remember you know after that thinking wow like I actually really respect you you mm. come out you've got your principles yeah. and fair enough all right pause let's do an ad right quick uh, right now Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and adjustable base or 30% off everything if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Get yourself a mattress for like 35 bucks a month. Uh, use that zero down, 0% financing plan that now extends up to 60 months. They get the best mattresses, pillows, sheets, mattress protector. Uh, they've got the new weighted blankets. Uh, anything you add to this. So if you get an adjustable base plus the bed. Anything else you add is going to be uh, 40% off of all that shit. For everything else, 30% off. Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. You know them. You love them. They're the best bed in the world. Uh, next, hard as fuck seltzer. Go to hardafseltzer.com and buy that booze. Uh, we're coming up with a couple of new flavors now. So you may have seen it on fake news last week. We tried a few of them out. Um, you want to get ahead of the curve on this. Make sure you're trying out the OG flavors so you're not some bitch that shows up late to the party. Uh, go to hardafseltzer.com. Get those boozes sent to your house. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, I mean, at least you say what you mean, which is uh, that's rare in politics, especially. Uh, it's rare everywhere, but it's certainly rare in politics. Um, now, you guys, the the conservatives in the U.K. have been not thrilled about immigration yeah. policies lately. Can you talk a little bit about them? I mean, immigration has been... I, w I wouldn't say it was the only reason for Brexit, but it played a massive role. Uh, there's no denying that. Um, and even up until this day, we're having it now with uh, Rwanda, um, mm. the, the immigration there. Um, there is... You've got to remember the UK in terms of size is a tiny, tiny island. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've got 70 million people. You know, like, it, it's, it, we're, we're incredibly small. 
there's so many nuances to this. One, one of the big issues with the with with the European Union that a lot of people had uh, was how you could be someone from Greece, let's say, no qualifications, no no nothing. You can come to a country like that, as opposed to let's say we've got a, a shortage in the IT sector, um, and you're somebody from Australia who is. You know, you've gone through, you've got a degree, you've got mm. a master's. Um, we actually could do with your service and we, we could do with you in our country. It's not impossible, but it is so hard for you to come to our country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But you could be from Greece and be 17 years old, decide I'm not going to do absolutely anything with my life. I'm just going to come here yeah. and do what I want, get the NHS, get the universal healthcare, and just piss around and it's okay. And that kind of rhetoric you know it's not completely accurate because you know we benefit from some great european migration there's mm-hmm. no denying a lot of the service industry um was heavily reliant on europe on the european union and, and that they were they'd done some fantastic jobs but there were so many bad examples mm-hmm. uh that happened over that course of time um and it's really difficult to say this because when the moment you say you're against complete free uh immigration uh, people automatically think that means you're anti-immigration, which isn't the case. Or the big one at the moment is, you know, I, I don't agree with illegal immigration. That doesn't mean I'm anti-immigration. I just think you yeah, should yeah. come to the country legally. Um, well, what's, what is the expectation exactly? And just for reference, um, the UK covers about 93 and some change square miles, 93,000 and some change square miles. Texas is about three times that size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have... 70 or so million residents we've got about 29 million here i think something like that so it's a it's a it's a country the third a third the size of texas with um you know over double the amount of people so what what is the expectation exactly that you fill it to the brim until nobody can turn left or right anymore i mean i don't get it it's a good question and i think when this is one of my problems at the moment um I, and this is my problem with the Labour Party and generally the left. Mm. And I think it's bad for democracy in some ways how bad the opposition is because it, there, there needs to be alternatives. We need to debate and discuss. I really had the string, the lockdowns uh, that we had. But, but in terms of immigration, I, I don't think they, people are actually, they're not coming up with a strategy. Mm. So I liked uh, Preet Patel's proposals. I like Australia's point-based system mm. um, immigration policy, which is... We, we do that too, like a lottery we, Right. Right. Like if you uh, have these qualifications or if you're facing these problems, then right. you get entered in a lottery. That's how a lot of uh, a lot of people end up here. Just like kind of a mix of the needs of the country and compassion. That, that you know? for me makes that's exactly how I'd like it in the UK. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate that we can't just fix everybody's problems all the time. Yeah. But we should certainly find a way to fix problems that also benefits our country. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. For sure. And I think, to be honest, Britain did kind of do this in the 60s and 70s. Um, And I think at the moment, it's it's just there's a Rwanda issue at the moment where we've started basically deporting uh, illegal immigrants Mm. that come from there. And it's like people are saying, you know, how can you do that? Like, How can you, you know, they come to this country? And, well, it's... If we could help every single country possible, then I'm sure we would, but it's just practically not possible. Yeah. I mean, um, do you want the empire or do you not want the empire, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. is the question, right? Like, it's, it's going to be that either way. 
it's either all of those people are going to come here or we have to go out there and solve their problems. You yep. know what I mean? That this is this is the choice being given, not you know, like what 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 your party is focused on, the CFOC and finding uh, ways to work together in trade and 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 the culture war, I guess, yeah, with other countries that have shared values. That's that's got to be something that's happening. Not not necessarily from yeah. government to government, but from groups of people who think the same around because you know um government policy doesn't just come out of thin air it's it's mostly informed by uh to some degree polling but also mm-hmm. just the national chatter amongst people who know what they're talking about right yeah so uh, if, if think tanks are, are pitching certain ideas and they make sense that f- has a tendency to find its way into government well what we've we're really pushing at the moment. Um, and uh, there's another group that we work really closely with is, is Kanzuk, which is Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the UK. Um, again, we all speak English. Um, we, we all have common values. We're, we all believe in democracy. So that kind of is the the three countries where it, it's going to be, for us to get an agreed tra- trade, deal, trade deal and all that sort of stuff, I think it's going to be fairly straightforward and easy. There's already crossovers with um, different um, industries. So, for example, doctors can work in Australia and the UK. Um, so there's already like stuff there. they're helping there. with the licensure and all that stuff. Yeah, the license, okay. accountants. So there's yeah. stuff already there. We want to make it a bit easier for other people as well, whether you're in IT, um, well, I mean, finance, tech, whatever. It, it's good um, at the individual level, but I also see the merit at the national level because we're having a big problem in the West with computer chips right now. Yeah. Like a big problem. Not just computer chips, but also uh, thermal cells for batteries. Just getting the raw materials, refining the raw materials, and then... Uh, We've got similar problems in the First UK. stage and second stage and final assembly and stuff like that. The world has a problem. Yeah, the world. Right and it's because China's got it on lockdown yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. And that can't be the solution. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, so... It, there's got to be some conversation between uh, uh, the between Western Europe and the things that you have you guys have going on, and the U.S. with our history of the Monroe Doctrine and figuring out some kind of way to uh, build a pipeline from raw source materials in Argentina, Chile, and Peru. You know yeah. that make their way north uh, into Central America and our. Pro, uh, refined and assembled and things like that and maybe final assembly in an American place. We need something like that to, to prevent. It's the same thing that happened with Russia, right? I mean, we stopped buying fuel from them. We didn't, we weren't energy independent on them anymore and we cut that off, became energy independent on them again and now they know they can act freely without any real consequence. I mean, mm-hmm. we sanctioned them and their economy went up and ours went down. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, the same thing has happened now with China and both the raw and, you know, first assembly materials that we need for batteries and, and, and computer chips that go in computers, cars, everything, right? Like, we don't have that right now. And governments don't seem to be doing fuck all about it. I don't they're understand not, that. They're not doing enough. I, I think what COVID hopefully has woken some governments up and some countries up is... We, we can't be just reliant on China. Like mm. we, we physically, like this is not, uh, in finance, you know, it's like diversifying your portfolio. That, that's the way I've started saying it to a lot of people. 
um, is it, it makes no sense how reliant, especially the UK was on China, is we, we, we just being practical and, you know, if another COVID thing happens again or whatever, to, to have that country has so much power over things that go on in our country mm. and affect our lives on a day-to-day basis. They're not democratic. Mm. They don't speak the language of us. They have a complete different culture to us. It, you know, that is worrying. Um, that doesn't mean we, we cut ties with them completely, but I think we do need to slowly start to look at alternatives. I look, we've done a lot with uh, CFFC. We look at sort of India as, uh, an, in some ways, an alternative. It's the country next to it, um, similar large labor force, um, similar in terms of uh, manufacturing capacity. So it makes sense. Maybe we start doing some stuff with them. Um, and I think we saw Apple move there and, and they've mm-hmm. done some of their manufacturing. So it, I think it's just being a bit more logical, diversifying things, looking at different countries, looking at alternatives, trying to bring them together. Um, but it, you're right in the sense of, I, I think being energy independent is so important now. Mm-hmm. I think, if anything, this is what Russia and I think shown. I think energy independence is, I think is so important. And I think that, that is going to be, I think that's what, this um, Russia thing shown. Um, there's a big argument at the moment. We do a lot of green stuff, so there's a green, you know, green taxes and all that kind mm. of stuff. And um, I'm not sure if those things are going to be sticking around, or if we're not going to start to do cuts to those, right? Um, because there has to be a practicality element to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and I think it's probably similar in America. A lot of people who have these views or have uh, who have these more extreme kind of things are people are generally doing okay in life um and i think the people are actually affects which is um maybe down south maybe up mm. north of here or for us in england is those people don't care like they really like they care to a certain extent i, I always say it's about like, uh, black lives matter and all these groups this majority of people don't actually care the, the people yeah. who care typically tend to be middle to upper class people mm. funnily enough without real problems without real problems yeah, yeah. you and, can say it it's fine and they, they tend to be um, white as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, weirdly enough it's those like and it's like do you actually care about BLM like I, I speak to so many black people in the UK who just don't care like yeah. they literally yeah. couldn't care less I don't know a whole um, lot of people that take it seriously at this point right no um, as far as dependence on China goes I mean we've made in the in the early 2000s, and even some during Obama's administration, we made um, some pretty calculated moves to shift manufacturing to like Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia. Stuff oh, wow! Like that. Okay, okay. And the result was that China's treatment of their workers immediately improved. Right. Right. So you like it, there's a way to hold these people accountable, but not if you give them the keys to your house. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's we we have recent evidence that if you make it if you set up the environment in such a way that it costs China money to act negatively towards their own people, then they will stop doing it yeah that's that they've shown that pretty recently now Russia I don't know so much mm. uh, they're they're kind of still like in the caveman phase uh, of, of society uh, at least in their politics, but China for sure they care about money. Yeah, like that's they they want to have the best economy, biggest economy in the world, and if they start losing business to places, that's going to be a that that will change things quickly for them. I don't know, uh, I don't know where where it's going to come from though. I mean, we're like three to five years out from being able to replicate what they're doing 
with the computer chips, mm. like this from sourcing to manufacturing. Um, three to five years is a long time. Yeah. Especially in a political climate where people hate each other and measure success in four-year increments. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it, you're, you're now outside of the margin of error for one person. Like mm. if, let's say we elected somebody today and they're like, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to create a pipeline, build our own computer chips so China can't fuck with us anymore. Uh, the next guy can get elected, come in and shut the whole thing down. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's not the best situation. Now, you talk a lot about these uh, old relations that have evolved over the years, like uh, UK-India, UK-Pakistan, India-Pakistan, which hasn't really changed that much. They still hate <laughs> each other. But uh, India, Russia, and even China, right? Yeah. Like, can you, from the conservative perspective... Uh, and and what your guys' goal is, uh, I, I don't know enough about the politics in these countries to know how many how many conservatives or how much conservative ideology is there. But what are you guys looking to do as far as those relationships, like those old Commonwealth and Southeast Asian and, and Russia and, and, so, and all that? So India's really interesting. India Pakistan's really interesting mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, right now, UK India is probably at its best relationship maybe since its independence. Like mm-hmm. They have such a strong... Um, I want to say such a strong relationship, but they, they really... It, it's gone up. India and UK, and to be honest with the States as well, for the last 20, 30 years, has had a pretty horrible relationship. It, it's not been strong uh, at all. Um, I, I'd say that the person who probably states-wise, he made the biggest impact with India was Donald Trump. Um, the, the, the big issue is, is well, historically... Well, what did Trump do that was... Well, Trump made... Uh, he spent a lot of time with the India uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Mm-hmm. Um, so they developed a relationship. He talked about... Um, he said negative things about Pakistan, which always helps with India. Um, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're... The ISI is like one of the most corrupt organizations on earth. Well, what is, what's bizarre is in the last 15 to 20 years is the UK, um, we give our foreign aid, um, one of the highest countries we give our foreign aid to is Pakistan. Mm. Uh, straight away, that's red flag if you're yeah. Indian. We do the same um, though, I think. Yeah, you we, guys are very yeah, high with them between, as well. Between the, our two countries, we pretty much fund their military so hence why the relationship's been very sticky india has Mm. been largely its military its equipment has always been historically uh, largely followed by uh, soviet union russia so Mm. still to this day uh, russia is its number one military partner now it it russia helped india um india and china at the moment are in a bit of conflict well they have been for many years um, and Russia have been the country to kind of help India mm. to, to the West we've kind of ignored it um, now a lot of people would argue it doesn't make too much sense that we've been doing that since India is a democracy okay it's not as democratic as probably you know our countries as, mm. as, as much as it should be but generally believes in democracy English speaking has more values in line uh, with us um, than let's just say the, the Pakistan's of their okay. nature. So we've seen a massive shift now. In India, current party is, um, uh, you know, if you, if you read UK media populations, they'll say it's a far-right group. I, I would say it's 
center right mm-hmm. right at the moment in line with the facts you've got conservative government here mm-hmm. at one point you had obviously trump in in the state so it was just you know it, it felt like the right it, the things just fell into place everyone all of a sudden because of covid looked at china for oh no we don't want to be so close with you now so that the, the compass uh, perception all of a sudden shifted towards so it, a lot of things have just aligned up it probably should have happened sooner i mean um, you would think so it's it's I, I don't mean this to like they're the same group of people but for what the west uses china india is a pretty suitable alternative i right. think uh, but, but that's what the India um, uh, Narendra Modi has been doing. So mm-hmm. he's he's one of his pitches has been we should be an alternative to China. He yeah. regularly talks about uh, the infrastructure that he's doing, um, the, the, the changes to infrastructure, manufacturing. He constantly talks about trying to be the the alternative to mm-hmm. China. Um, and I think we in the West have identified that and thought, okay, this is a more reliable partner. If you like, the big problem is this trust issues Mm. because historically this is a massive shift for India um, to now effectively move away from Russia uh, and to us the West when we've been fairly unreliable. Mm. Um, And let's just say there is a conflict again with India, Pakistan, which let's be honest, this happens on a regular basis. Well, they have that little breakdancing competition, (laughs) which is fun. uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the border ceremony. Maybe that's just what it's called, the border ceremony. Maybe it's, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, no. Kashmir is constantly, like, there's there's a um, constant conflict there. The, yeah. the interesting one, there's one in India and China. It wasn't really reported much by the news. Um, but India and China, that their soldiers were uh, had a bit of a, a conflict where they were throwing, like, sticks and stones at each other. So it was like, um, you know, the, the, the two countries, put it this way, in, in terms of India, China and Pakistan, they're no longer well. They've never really been allies, but they're now seen as a bit of threats. So it, I think it's it's a good opportunity um, for us, for them to kind of get closer. So we have a good relationship, mm. I think, with India. It's developing. We're trying to do more. Uh, Boris Johnson was literally in India two weeks ago. Um, I, I'm not sure Biden's general view on India. I'm not sure if he knows um, himself, but like I, I don't know what's going to happen states-wise, but I, there, there was that, if you like, that triangle, those three, when it was Trump, Boris, and, and Modi, it seems like a really good mm. kind of m- movement. Um, Pakistan, for what it's worth, I mean, there's some really good conservative people there, some incredible thinkers. I think it's hard for them because they have, the military has so much power in the country. Mm. Um, for them to do real change, it's difficult. I, I, we did an event, um, funny enough, uh, just before COVID on... Um, trying to end polio in Pakistan so it still exists mm-hmm. there we, ha- we had Nigerian ministers who had just become polio free and he, he talked about it very openly he said it's very hard because there are areas of Pakistan where they just don't control like it, right. it's it's it's, like it's the wild west yeah yeah um so I'd say the relationships are getting better with these countries um and almost the, the hardest thing is actually dealing with Brits in, in some ways uh, with those people I talk about, those middle class, upper class mm. uh, Londoners, because though anytime you do something like this, the first thing people say is they're trying to bring back the British Empire. It's colonialism all over again. Um, we, we, that's the hardest. Um, I, I mean, the, there's 54 shift. countries in the in the Commonwealth. Yeah. So, what's again? I, I wonder what what is the expectation? You're not supposed to do business deals with. Well, you know, a quarter of the world. They, they don't want the Commonwealth to exist. 
is effectively what they're saying. It, that, that's their argument. They, they, they think it's you know, outdated, uh, end the monarchy, um, get rid of it all. Mm. Um, funny enough, the monarchy actually, um, it's only uh, for 15 states or the 54. So you don't even have to have the queen as your head of state mm. anymore. Um, but yeah, the, they, the, the counter argument is shouldn't exist. Uh, it was a bad period in history. You know, we should get away from it. We should pay them money. Um, reparations is now, I think, it's been brought up for us. I don't know where it's come from um, in the last few years. I think naturally because it's Commonwealth's been talked about more and more. Mm. Um, now people are saying we should pay. I think Barbados is the most recent one. We should give them slavery uh, reparations or something. Um, so yeah, that's the counter. Uh, boy, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it makes. I mean, we're always going to have relationships with other countries. Mm. Yeah, you have to. Uh, it's unless you're in North Korea, right? They're the only country that I'm aware of that doesn't do that. And I guess they do to some degree with China, but not in any real practical way. Um, but I, before we got out of here, I just, like, from, a, from an American conservative perspective, people are going to hear about a bunch of governments getting together and be pretty nervous about that, right? Because of the World Economic Forum and you know, globalist stuff and all that. Um, how do you avoid that with your organization like, or with the Commonwealth in general? Like, how do you avoid concentrating too much power in a single location that can now spread across the world uh, unchecked? So for sure, I think always to scale, we have no interest in wanting to be like a European Union, mm. for sure. Um, no interest in a kind of um, structured organization of group of countries uh, just dictating what goes on in um, areas of the, of the of, of the world, the, the, the concept is really simple. Fifty-four countries. Mm. We all largely speak English. We're all democratic. We all um, we've got shared beliefs, values, history. Let's do some more stuff together. Okay, mm. trade. Maybe trade's not going to. This is the thing. I think this is where the European Union sometimes gets it a bit wrong. Immigration may not work with Barbados. Mm. It may not, like, it, it, unfortunately, it may not because their education system we maybe can't verify enough. Yeah. So maybe Australia, because theirs is more in line with us, India's doing really well mm. education. Maybe we'll do more with them. Um, trade it may not work with every country, but mm. you know, agriculture is very big in Australia. So maybe agriculturally, let's do more stuff with Australia. That mm. means, sorry, India, yours not as good. Like, you know, it, it, the, the concept is. Let's just do some more stuff. To it. Let, let's cooperate. Let, let's yeah. work together. Oh, there's a conflict going on over here. Uh, well, I, New Zealand, I don't want to be involved. Okay, fair enough. Australia, what do you, it's, it's trying to build mm. those ties um, and trying to formalize it in some capacity, but also leave a lot of it open. The, the big mistake I think the European Union in some ways made is nationalism isn't a bad thing. Like You need to feel some sort of pride for the country you live right. in. Um, and you, do, you, you don't want to take that away. So I think that's key part of it. So I think it's just looking at it and just thinking countries being more cooperative mm. together. And with what's going on, Russia, China, it makes sense to have people that, you know, have similar beliefs to you to yeah, sure. be closer with. I mean, you can also use that as an impetus to get problematic countries to change behavior. You yeah. know what I mean? 
I don't mean manufacturing or center brainwashing, but if you want us to buy your products, then you'll stop acting like assholes. Exactly. I mean? uh, there's a lot of leverage in that. Well, uh, tell everybody, before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your material, and, and how they can educate themselves on what's going on out there. Sure. Um, so we've got a, a YouTube channel. Um, it's called Conversations with COFC. Uh, our Twitter handle is at COFC. Um, yeah, I think they're probably the, the best places to do it where you can subscribe to our mailing list. Um, it, you know, we, we vary in terms of stuff we do. We do uh, physical events, mm-hmm. um, largely in the UK. Um, we are looking to start to do some in Commonwealth countries. Um, funnily enough, we actually get, we've had some really good response from US uh, people, uh, US politicians, mm-hmm. both Republicans, Democrats, so we've had them on our platform. Um, so I'd say our Twitter handle is probably the, our, our best way of keeping in contact. Cool. Well, thanks for coming today. We appreciate the insight. It's been very interesting to hear about this. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time here in Texas. should be fun. Awesome. Thank All you. Right. Thanks.